When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without further ado, if we could have our panelists come up. Got a couple of folks from the product community in Denver as well in some leadership positions that we have a couple of questions for today. So hopefully, uh, you know, the panel you just heard from more from the individual contributor standpoint, but now getting some insight from product leaders across the Denver community. So with that, uh, if you guys don't mind while we're setting up, doing some quick introductions. My name is Christine Hedinger. I'm a group product manager for Guild Education. I'm Lindsay Thrift. I'm a senior product manager at Pivotal, and I work specifically in our labs org. I'm Casey Beidel. I'm the VP of product at a company called Modally. Totally Modally. It's hard to say. So um, if you look it up, it is Modally. We are a small software tech company here in Denver between Coors Field and the milk market. Our parent company is Goodman Manufacturing. So I don't know if any of you know what Goodman Manufacturing is. All right, we are uh, HVAC, so we're heating and cooling. And our other parent company is Daikin based out of Japan. So at Modally, we are, um, our product basically connects all of our nationwide contractors that are out there trying to do site inspections, asset tagging, repair, replace, anything related to HVAC. Uh, we do this for our customers. Our operations team internally also uses our, our product. Um, so tell us a, a bit more about your role at the company itself. So what, and starting with Christine, um, yeah, what, what do you do at your company now? Sure. So um, the part of the product that I um, oversee is, the, is our admissions product. So um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Guild Education, we offer education as a benefit. So um, some of our clients are Disney and Walmart. And so Walmart cashiers can go back to school, um, finish high school, get a bachelor's degree um, completely debt-free. Um, and so that's kind of Guild's core value prop. Um, the part of the product that I own is the admissions product. So everything from when the student um, clicks to start a free application to go back to school um, to when they submit that application. Um, I'm kind of in charge of that entire experience. And sorry, you're, you're group PM, right? Yes. Okay. Can, can you talk a little bit about the difference between an IC and a group? Yeah, great question. Um, so the difference between a kind of individual contributor or group PM is I'm a product manager manager. Um, so I manage other product managers. Um, so in addition to overseeing my own product, kind of the individual contributor role, I'm also um, coaching some other product managers on the team, one of which um, she heads up our search and discovery efforts. So when a student 
student is um, trying to find the right program to get into. She's um, working on things like a recommendation engine, um, working on our filtering strategy, working on what shows up on those cards. Um, and then I'm also hiring an associate PM because I'm stretched really thin right now. Um, and so, yeah, growing out that team. Awesome. Cool, and I, uh, if you're not familiar with Pivotal, we have both a product or an R&D org as well as a services organization. Um, so Pivotal Cloud Foundry, now known as Pivotal Platform as of about a week ago, um, is a platform for deploying your applications using CI, CD on top of any public or private cloud. Um, very complicated, if you wanna get into that more, we can. Um, I also work on the services side of the business. Um, so Labs is where we are working with large enterprises um, to help them deliver applications at the speed of a startup. Um, so in my role, I'm usually um, functioning a bit like a product management coach uh, in the sense that we start out engagements. I work one-on-one -on -one with either a portfolio product manager, so someone that's more of like a group product manager, helping them understand how do we build alignment uh, how do we create a roadmap that allows your large organization to deliver quickly um, down to their ICs um, and their associate product managers and working with that whole um, ecosystem of their product teams and how they use practices. Um, that's what my day-to-day -day looks like. Um, I'm also now working in a role as an engagement director, which I think is interesting to think about. Um, and that's working with stakeholders at more the executive level of these businesses. Where does the platform and your DevOps processes and your development practices impact your product delivery? Um, and I think that's something we don't talk about enough as product managers. Um, whether or not those practices and those functions are working well um, has a big impact on whether or not you can be successful as a product manager. So I am the VP of product, but I came into the product organization with one main product manager who I see in the audience. Thanks for coming, Lisa. Um, and uh, I joined about four months ago. So I've come in and really over the past four months, we've, we've rebuilt the product org. So we've hired product managers, we've hired UX designers, we've hired a scrum master. Um, you know, we've, we've, we're rebuilding the foundation of what the product organization should be. We're also in the middle of an agile transformation. So I think, uh, you know, Product, we should always work super, super closely with engineering, right? They are our, our teammates, our counterparts, and agile is a great framework to just make sure that you're all aligned to make sure you have the right cadence and accountability. So at Modally, I've come in um, and had the opportunity to kind of rebuild. We're, we're in the middle of agile transformation. And obviously, you know, in my role, working very closely with um, the other execs to make sure that we have the right strategy in place and we're building the right roadmap. So it all kind of, you have to have the right people in place to be successful, no matter how well you plan. Um, if you don't have the right product managers, who I truly believe are the leaders of every company, the PMs are the leaders. Um, they have to be able to communicate. This was an awesome, awesome podcast, by the way. You guys are amazing. Um, and everything, I'm glad I didn't wear a black turtleneck, but um, <laughs> you guys, uh, you hit on all the right notes and um, it comes down to people, really. So, I would love to dovetail into a question that we talked about on the panel, but get your perspective on this as well. Like, what are the less glamorous parts of a PM role that they don't put on the resume that you guys have experienced within your organizations? I think we spoke to a lot of the things at the individual contributor level, but would love to get your thoughts on that as well. 
So this might be um, particular to Guild Education. So we do not have project managers or product owners or QA. So I think in particular for Guild Education, one of the less glamorous parts of product management for us is actually um, doing all of those roles. And I think, um, <laughs> you know, we have to be really upfront with candidates when we're hiring them to say like, hey, you're coming on board to take on kind of a lot. Um, and that's why we have so many product managers because we're playing so many different roles. And so I think one of the very less glamorous parts about product management is um, doing some things to step outside of your role to keep um, the, I don't know, the ceiling from caving in mm -hmm. to make sure that the lights stay on, um, to make sure that your feature gets out on time without any bugs. If there are bugs, you're triaging that. Um, I would say that's definitely one of the less glamorous parts about being a PM, in my experience. I would say that's not unique to Guild. <laughs> do you guys I do that say, here too? Well, I, I think each company that I've been a product manager at has a, a level of, oh, they don't have product design or, oh, they don't have project management. Yeah. And you're always, yeah, they don't have QA, right? Like that's something that we instill in our engineers here as well. But I think regardless of the company you're at, you're going to have, you're going to be doing more than just your normal product management role. Yeah, and I think if you can turn kind of lemons into lemonade, uh, it's really great to have a well-rounded skill set. And I think you'll only be better off on being able to take on those roles and being able to do it gracefully. So I, while it's the less glamorous side of it, I'm not um, upset by any means that I have to do those roles. Um, I think it just helps me to manage my time better and use it most effectively. I was once at a leadership offsite, and as we were going around the first night to introduce yourselves, you were supposed to state who you managed or what part of the business you managed. Um, and I just gave a tongue in cheek response that I didn't manage anyone, just everyone's expectations. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think that is one of the sadder sides of product management some days because uh, you really, I firmly believe that a thriving, healthy team is what builds great products. Um, so while you're trying to keep a healthy team, uh, you are also often managing many conflicting expectations. Um, you have an engineering team that really doesn't want to focus on the tech debt that we've mistakenly built up um, with some series of bad decisions. You have an executive stakeholder that wants you to deliver much more rapidly that is than is even reasonably possible. You have, and you somehow have to maintain trust and health among all of those relationships um, while continuing to deliver. Um, and I think that expectation management in the midst of maintaining trust and relationship and healthy teams, um, while one of my favorite parts of product management is also probably some days my least favorite part of product management. Yeah, I was just gonna say, it's hard to say no but as a product person, you're going to have to say no. And, and that gets really tricky. And, and in the earlier session that was brought up, but it goes back to managing expectations and being transparent. So I 100% agree on that. Um, yeah. yeah. We also have an episode titled when to, when to Say No. So definitely go listen to that. Another plug. Um, so we do have a lot of different um, representation of different levels of product management here. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face as a product leader in general? Whoever wants to start, you don't have to go in I'll, sequence. I'll jump into this one. Um, again, it, it really does come down to being able to protect the whole organization from itself 
with focus. Um, I think the, it always comes down to, there's so many things you want to do, but you really do need to be able to figure out what you need to focus on and what you need to do now versus later. Um, what, are, what are some of the tactics you use to kind of do that to help our audience out? With it? So, um, yeah, in terms of uh, being able to kind of block and protect the team, you really do need to continue to articulate what your core business is about, what your core product is about, and have a roadmap that you can kind of point back to. Um, and just be transparent. So, you know, if, if something changes, that's okay, right? You should be a yes person, we can do this. But you also need to be able to articulate the impacts to the team and to the organization. Um, and, and, you know, one of the, my last company, we, we finally landed a really big customer, our largest customer, right? And then we were all afraid that we did it because it really did drift away from our core product and our core business. And all of a sudden we deprecated our product to, to, to align with what that, that customer needed. So again, it starts from all the way at the top, your C level, um, all the way to the bottom, make sure that you're working on the right things and you're not, uh, not you, you maintain that focus. And, and kind of tagging right off of that, I think the level of detail that you need at each um, level of the org is one of the biggest challenges I face. No matter how big or small the team is um, or how big or small the company is, I find that the constant tension tends to be that from the top, there's too much of a desire for details. And from the bottom, there's too much of a fear of of owning the details where it when you, the healthiest teams I see are the ones where at the top the leaders are giving strategic direction like truly strategic direction here are the objectives and the outcomes we're going for and at the bottom the teams like all the way down to the individual contributor that PM really does believe and has been reinforced to know that they own the details on how they execute getting to those outcomes. That allows that team to say, I'm just going to plan for the next two sprints because as we release these features, I'm going to have more answers to the assumptions that are built in four sprints from now or the features that I'm thinking about for next month. Um, so, but when we start forcing details that have to come all the way up to the top, that's when we get into the state of I have a, a roadmap that's planned out with 10 sprints worth of work. I've written stories into my backlog that I now have to groom and keep track of. And it's going to blow up. Like the reality is you're going to release a set of features. You're going to learn something. And now you have 10 sprints worth of stories to go back to your backlog and re-groom. Um, so a lot of the product managers I work with we will either just delete the backlog that they have and they might cry about it when they go home. I don't ask. Um, <laughs> or we just start from scratch because having too much of that detail down at the beginning starts to get us in trap. I think there's also this psychological element of once I, as a leader, have seen it on a roadmap, I believe it is going to happen and I have a really hard time and we have to have lots of meetings about why we shouldn't make it happen now. Whereas if we'd never put it on there in that level of detail, it could have just faded away. Um, and the same into our backlogs. When we've already committed the time to write the stories to groom the backlog, it's really hard to delete them <laughs> and to move on from that. So finding that balance of the right amount of detail and the right amount of time for the level of the org you are in, I think is a consistent problem I see no matter what size of the team, what size of the company. 
I think my challenges are probably a little bit different because I'm in middle management and not kind of a manager of managers. Um, So I think one of the biggest challenges that I face is um, being a player coach. Um, It's pretty common for any role in middle management, not just product management. Um, And I think what you run into there is if you're spending too much time coaching, then somebody's going to kind of take over your roadmap for you. Um, and on the other side, if you're not spending enough time coaching your people, then they're not getting enough guidance and the things are kind of going off the rails. Um, so I think for me, it comes down to really um, being strategic about where I spend my time and where I choose to engage. Um, I think, yeah, if I'm not carving out enough time to be strategic and figure out um, what kind of vision we want to set for this product, uh, I guarantee you somebody on the sales team will set it for me or the CEO will set it for me. And so I think um, just being really thoughtful about where you choose to spend your time anytime you're in middle management is uh, very important. Awesome. Uh, Shifting gears a little bit, as leaders or player coaches relationships within the organization. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you're looking for when you're hiring PMs for your team? Uh, for those of us out in the audience, or what, what characteristics are you looking for? The number one thing that I look for is upside. Um, I don't really care too much about what hard skills you have. Hard skills can be taught. Um, So if you're somebody who's humble, you're going to have to be humble when you're a product manager. Um, I think it came up when you guys were talking about the dark side of product management. You're going to fail a lot um, as a product manager, probably more times than you're going to succeed. Um, And so you're going to need somebody that can take that in stride. I think you also need somebody that's willing to learn, um, shows kind of a growth mindset is constantly improving. That's also another thing that I look for. Um, And I'm sure like any other company, you guys do panel interviews um, where you're not the only person interviewing the person. The other thing that I really look for is um, a candidate that one person is really passionate about ideally more than one person. But if everyone in the room is kind of a passive yes, um, there's no reason why we shouldn't hire them. That's typically the candidate that I'll pass on because they don't really show a ton of upside. They check all the boxes, but they're not going to make a meaningful change on the team. Um, So that's kind of what I look for. Yeah, great notes. Um, Of course, you want to look at their product background, right? Um, So product chops is important. Being able to... um, you know, have the right level of tech skills as well. But most importantly um, is definitely that culture fit, right? Um, just as much as you you want to be a good culture fit for that candidate, they are for you. So looking at it, you know, do they exemplify areas of integrity? Are they humble? I've heard that word. I think humility is very, very important in the product role. Um, they're collaborative, they, they've demonstrated that they're good at being part of a team, right? Um, so culture is obviously uh, important. And above and beyond anything else, when I look at somebody's resume and then I meet them in person, it's, they've got to have that little special something, that they're a go-getter, that they've done something that they've gone like above and beyond uh, your typical candidate. So something special about that, that person because you really want – after you get feedback from everybody else, you want to be thrilled to hire that person and to extend the offer. You don't want to be passive about it, right? You want to be thrilled to have them join the team. I might answer this a little bit differently to give you some more food to think, uh, things to chew on. Um, 
some red flags I look for um, when we're hiring PMs. Uh, they don't ask enough questions and they attempt to have the right answers. Um, that is a hard no-go for me uh, because product management is rarely about the right answer. <laughs> um, it is an art and a practice and it's really dependent on so many factors. So if you come into an interview attempting to figure out what the right answer is for me, you are gonna fail in a second um, because I want you to really suss out what's the problem I'm trying to solve? How do you approach problem solving? Um, and I think looking for the right answer is a pretty clear indicator um, that you were a straight A student in school, um, but you didn't develop the critical thinking skills that you really need to, to thrive in product management. Uh, another big one that is a red flag for me, particularly as you advance in your product management career, um, is a lack of technical understanding and a lack of interest in acquiring technical understanding. Um, and I think the reason for that for me is that you, you can certainly be successful in grooming a backlog and shipping features without you know, a deep technical background. But if you really want to advance and you really want to build healthy, thriving, agile software teams, you have to understand how your product gets into your users' hands. And that involves a deployment cycle. It involves having really in-depth conversations with your engineers so that you can understand as your product matures, where are we going to fall down in six months? Um, where are our scaling problems going to come? Um, and those conversations happen when you can understand the technical details. You don't have to be able to sit down and code, but you have to be able to have a conversation and understand what those problems are. What kind of questions should I ask? Uh, Jake said you don't know what you don't know. Um, and I think in the early days of your product management career, you don't know what technical questions to ask. But after you get those product management basics down, you're managing a backlog, creating a roadmap, learn how to ask those questions about the technical aspects, understand what skills and practices on the development team, on a DevOps team, really create a healthy thriving team overall. I think that's a big one for me. Uh, and the last one has come up over and over again, but humility um, and empathy uh, is what I would add on to the humility. Um, can you communicate with people in a way that you understand? And I think you can find that in interviews pretty quickly. Um, when someone comes into an interview and asks, what are the challenges your company has? Oh, and you can see them think about that. I understand that, or I've I've never experienced that before, is an indicator of empathy. You're not looking for the right answer. Um, you understand that like, wow, this is something I need to lean into because I don't understand it. And I think those are some key indicators of those softer sides of product management. Thanks. Yeah, um, so Christine was right with you panel interviews here. Um, so Bergen, question for you. Um, <laughs> wrong what, way to go. Yeah, what, what are the things you're looking for in some of these panel interviews? Anything yeah. to add? To what? I think the inquisitiveness is something that speaks pretty highly to somebody's interest, not just in the role, but in the organization specifically. I think when people come prepared to present to us, we do a, a project review as part of our interview process here. And then we leave like 15 to 20 minutes for uh, interviewee questions. And when they have one question at the end, it's they clearly spent the time doing the homework to put together the presentation, but the present or the homework may not have been done around the organization itself. So I think they're just showing passion for the organization as well. That kind of indicates somebody's level of interest, not just in the role, but being part of the, the culture of the, of the company. There's three things that I look for. One, are they passionate about something? Can they get you excited about the work that they do? Um, two, they're not an asshole. I think, again, collaborative, like we want them to be a value add to the team. So that really comes out in an interview. And then the third thing, depending upon the, the company you're working for, but for us, 
something I ask is what's your favorite offer on the app? Like I want to make sure that they're actually using the product because more times than not, they actually don't download the app, which is pretty surprising if you're trying to interview for the product management role um, here. Yeah. But, uh, Hard pass. To. <laughs> yeah. um, cool. Uh, one other question I had uh, for the panel here was, can you guys tell us the structure of your product team, product organization? Because I imagine it's pretty different from each of us. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I touched on that a little bit earlier. Um, right now, we, we have a few product managers. I always like to align product managers with UX designers. Um, we've got a couple so far. We also have a scrum master. Um, you know, a scrum master can typically fall on the engineering side or the product side. It's just um, you need to find the right fit. So that role is key to any organization, I truly believe, uh, to hold product and engineering accountable. Keep the process going, right, so that you're hitting the right cadence of everything. And we, yeah, we also have um, a data analyst to uh, also kind of consult our team as well. Cool, if you're familiar with Pivotal, you know that we have a pretty opinionated set of practices and way of doing development. Um, and one of those is around our team structure. We refer to it as the balanced team. Um, I think this is becoming a more popular concept outside of Pivotal as well, um, which is exciting. Uh, but basically that means we keep our teams small, uh, typically no more than six engineers. We do use extreme programming, so those are paired engineers, which really means we have three pairs of engineers at max on a team, um, one product manager and one designer. Uh, if the product is pretty mature, so if you get into our R&D org, you might see that teams are sharing product managers and designers. Uh, that's just because once your product gets to a life cycle where it's not as heavy in discovery and brand new user research, it's a little easier to start sharing that product and product design and management resources. Uh, but overall, it's three, um, uh, those three functions, and we don't like to go over those six engineers because at that point, um, has anyone ever seen the handshake um, analogy for making decisions? If not, you should Google this. Um, it's really fun. It's helpful when we're talking to stakeholders too, but basically um, once you get over about three people in a group, the number of handshakes it takes or communication touch points it takes to make a decision is exponentially more with each person you add to the team. Um, so when we get above that, it really starts to slow that team down in delivery. So we like to find natural breaks in the product at that point to start splitting those teams up um, so that those decisions can continue continue to be made quickly, you're not spending as much time just in communication. Our structure is very similar. So we have a product manager, a designer, um, a tech lead, and then some number of engineers. Um, some squads only have three engineers, some have up to six as well. I don't think we go beyond that either. Um, I think the difference is, is we have um, what we call like a student facing ambassador. Um, it just keeps us really grounded in our product and um, kind of shores up those communication gaps because we have um, someone who's on the student facing team who's talking to students every single day that's coming in and uh, joining critical meetings and kind of course correcting where needed and flagging things. Um, it's been really useful to do that. Um, the other thing that I'll add is we share each squad will have um, a dedicated data resource as well, um, and then also um, a user researcher, but that's actually shared across the squads. Um, and I think that's it. But yeah, pretty dedicated squads, so that way we can move um, pretty quickly within an isolated team. 
Okay, I think we have time for one more question. So with that, I would love to get some advice that you guys have for either aspiring PMs or individual contributors and advancement in their career, whether it's resources, whether it's books, events, meetups like this, Denver podcast. Startup Week is a podcast that you should listen to. Um, this is an amazing event or week-long series of events for people to get to know each other and really interact with the community. But outside of Denver Startup Week, what advice do you have for, for PMs in the audience? The one piece of advice I would give is that it's much easier to move in product, into product management in your existing org um, than it is to go and find a product management role in another organization. Um, ideally, you've already built up some rapport in your existing company. Um, you're seen as a standout employee. Um, so that way, when you start to try to take on more of a product role, um, one of the things that we do is, like I spoke to, we have um, the student-facing team. We have those ambassadors that sit on the squads um, will go out to coffee and some of them are actually aspiring product managers. So we'll try to make sure that those people are the ones that get to sit on the squads and attend the ceremony. So that way they can actually see firsthand if it's a good fit for them. And it's kind of, we both get the benefit out of that. Um, so my biggest recommendation would be try to figure out how to do that within your existing org rather than leaving to go to another organization. If you don't think you have the means to do it in your existing org, figure out how you can take on projects that are more product management like. Um, for for example, if you're working in marketing, try to do some A-B testing as much as you can because A-B testing within marketing campaigns is not unlike doing A-B testing in product management. So I would just say try to figure out how within your existing role you can take on more product-like projects. And I won't speak to resources because I don't want to go on and on. But the one book that I do really recommend is uh, Hooked by Nir Eyal, I think is his name. Um, it's one of my favorite books. Um, he is a really good speaker as well, really good storyteller. Um, and I think storytelling is also a really good um, skill to have in product management. So absolutely, good job. Um, but also, you know, I think... What was the question? Advice. There are so many. There are so many. Questions. There's a lot of avenues you can here. take. Advice for aspiring PMs or individual contributors looking to level up in an organization. All right. So number one advice is product management is not easy. Um, you know, I think when I'm what you've heard today is very true. There is so many different paths, so many things that you need to do, learn, soft skills. Um, and there's also just a lot of pressure, but I couldn't imagine doing anything different. Um, so take, take the risk. Again, if, if you're not currently a product manager and want to get into it, um, I agree. It probably is best to try to figure it out inside your own company. Um, but there is a lot of pressure. It's stressful. Uh, you're going to be working long hours. Um, and that's OK if that's what you want to do. I always look back at the position. Um, I'm, my background's as a soccer player, so I always think of a product manager as like that center midfielder, right? You're the person, the captain, the center midfielder, you're responsible for a lot of the way that that game is going to be played. It's the same thing in an organization. You're that center midfielder making a lot of decisions, talking to a lot of people, so keep that in mind. Um, I love the lateral move um, and understanding 
what you're really getting yourself into. Um, for those that are trying to um, really like level up, maybe you're already in a product management role, um, I'd say worry less about knowing everything um, and worry more about knowing how to be better at the problems you're solving today. Um, we were talking at the before the panel started that um, product management really is like a wisdom that just comes with experience. Um, and so if you really dive in and be present in your current role, um, you'll have lots of opportunities to level up. So kind of do yourself a little self-evaluation. What am I doing really well in my job today and what could I be doing better? Um, you know, maybe that's my planning meetings take forever. They're not very effective and we don't seem to be coming up with plans. Um, that's a problem you could start working on. I could start finding ways to facilitate better planning meetings. Um, maybe those are going well, you're delivering products, but you really have no idea what's in your tech stack. Um, start talking to your engineers. Um, and I think that just identifying your current blind spots will really be what you'll look back in a couple of years and go, wow, I'm a totally different product manager than I was two years ago, five years ago. Um, and it'll build from there. And I'd say in Denver, leverage the community. Um, we're still small enough um, and the product management community in Denver is still really small. Um, if you start digging in and getting involved, um, my best mentors came right out of Colorado product. So if you don't know that org, um, plug in. Even if you're just plugging into the Slack group, um, I've gone through phases of time with him where I was at every meetup um, to my current phase of life where I'm at no meetups. Um, but you can find me on Slack and I can find other people on Slack and we can grab Zoom. We just have Zoom chats and I can ask them questions. Your best friend in product management is asking other people. Um, and if you have a specific thing you're working on, come talk to me because I'm a hoarder of information and I spend my days coaching product managers. So uh, happy to share some resources for specific problems. Awesome. Well, thank you to our panel for the insights. We really appreciate it. Yeah.